Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. Don, it's been a little while since we lasted our pod. There was not a whole lot of news for most of last week, but then the weekend hit and there was a flurry of activity on the Carolina football recruiting front. Give just a brief uh, a brief synopsis for the listeners here. Well, it was it was definitely a crazy weekend. Uh, you know, we had the the UNC I guess recruiting cookout we'll call it was on Saturday, and uh, we'll get into that at some point during this podcast. But during that, we had our latest verbal commitment, which is um, interesting for a couple different reasons, and we'll also get into that in the podcast. And then we had, well, I had to cover the the Under Armour All-American Combine on Sunday morning, which is why I'm still in Charlotte um, for um, cover that. I'll cover, I'll, I'll visit a couple of high schools uh, later on uh, this week, um, kind of get as much bang for my buck. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a crazy weekend. On top of all that, on a personal note, I had you know my son had his last uh, soccer game of the season on Saturday afternoon. My my daughter had a recital, but uh, both of them had great performances. My son actually his soccer team they played an undefeated team and they actually beat them. Um, and my son was in goal. So uh, shout out to uh, Caleb for a great game. He only led one goal and he played goal about um, 80% of the game. And my daughter is uh, uh, Brianna. Shout out to her. She had a great performance. Um, she's, on, she's the youngest on her dance team and she really definitely holds her own. So, um, But I know everybody wants to, they don't want to hear about my personal life. They want to hear about uh, UNC recruiting. So John, where do you want to start? <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, some people want to hear about it. I mean, you know, especially your your son, dude. That that's awesome. Congratulations to him. I, th- I, I think you're I the only you're one happy. that wants to hear about it because you you're the the soccer junkie. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit. I'm sure that we've got some listeners that also, you know, follow soccer. But yeah, we'll go ahead and and get to the recruiting because we do have a lot to talk about. Let's start with the recruits on campus that did result in a commitment. For, for the Tar Heels, but let's just start there because I was very impressed with the list of names that were there for the cookout, as we're calling it now. Yeah, it was a very, I guess we could call it a unique event because um, now, now Coach Fedora has done something similar for like a junior day where they had like a, a cookout, but this was um, more exclusive. It was a very small group of guys and um while it was exclusive, it was, um, I mean, a lot of North Carolina's top targets were there. And mm-hmm. they, they did something a little bit unique where, you know, usually for a junior day, the, the visitors are treated to a practice or, uh, or a basketball game or um, something along those lines. But this was something where it was kind of like a block party where they did a lot of, I guess, tailgating sort of games, you know, um, uh, cornhole and, and, uh, ping pong and, and that sort of thing. And, it, and, it, and they had, like like we said, a cookout. I mean, there was literally a cookout. And um, I think it was good for the not only just the recruits, but the parents. And uh, from what I was told, the coaches had their wives and their families there. So it was very kind of, um, you know, like just kind of hanging out, like everybody kind of does in the summertime. So if you saw the list. Uh, and for those who have not seen the list, um, one of the things that Inside Carolina does that nobody else does for North Carolina is for big recruiting visit days or weekends. 
we actually have a running list of uh, recruits as we can confirm them on campus. And we do this for junior days, for all the camps, for all the games. And you can just log on to Inside Carolina, go onto the message board and check it out. And like I said, it, it's, it's updated constantly as we're getting that information and until um, the information kind of just dries up for us. So, John, you actually saw the list. You go to Inside Carolina's message board. What were a couple of the names that really kind of stood out to you? So out of all of the names, which, like you said, it was a smaller group, but very high profile. And that full list is on the Tar Pit Premium message board, like you mentioned. The two that stood out to me were the defensive in Savion Jackson, class of 2019, and then Mitchell Mays, the five-star offensive tackle, class of 2020. And the reason why those two names stood out was because for Savion Jackson, we've been hearing for a while now that you know he's a heavy NC State lean, that a lot of people are projecting he will ultimately commit to the Wolfpack, but... From my observations, he's he's been at a lot of Carolina events. It seems as if he is very interested in the Tar Heels, and at the very, very minimum, the coaching staff is really putting a premium on trying to sway Savion's decision towards Chapel Hill. So the fact that he attended this cookout after being on campus so many times over the last month or so, that was a big-time positive. And then you could say a lot of the same things from Mitchell Mays. I mean, he's projecting to be a more national-style recruit. As I mentioned, he is a five-star kid for the class of 2020. And I think we even mentioned it in one of our podcasts, on that whenever there's a nationally ranked recruit from the state of North Carolina, you know, UNC just does not have a great batting average historically for landing those guys. But with Mays, he has, again, been on campus a lot. And the staff is really putting in the overtime to try to get him. And it's got to be working at least to some degree, I would think. Yeah. And and just to go back to Savion, I spoke to him briefly. I haven't been able to do a full interview. Um, We we have set something up and it it kind of fell through. I'm still kind of working on that. But uh, he did say, you know, that uh, he really enjoyed his time there. Uh, his family who came with him really enjoyed his time there. And if nothing else, I, I still feel like he's going to head somewhere else. But um, if nothing else, the staff is doing what they need to do to swing their the pendulum their direction. The Really, the, the, the best tool for North Carolina to get into this is to get him on campus. And, and that's what the coaching staff has done. And the more he's on campus, the more comfortable he's going to be with with the the campus and with the staff and with the people there. And that's um and that's that's really all North Carolina can do at this point in um in his recruitment. Uh, Mitchell Mays, I agree with you. I think he's going to be one of the top players in the nation as long as he continues to progress the way that he's progressed with offensive linemen. You just never know. Uh, so getting him on campus, so familiar with the campus is is key and it just it really surprises me that he's already made three visits to UNC this offseason so th- that's good I'm, I'm gonna throw out two guys for you that that kind of just I guess grabbed my attention I, I wanted to pick two guys that you didn't pick so we can talk about a couple others Anthony Harris from a uh, safety from Havelock this was actually his first visit and so I think it was good for UNC to get him on campus because um there has been a little bit of hurt feelings between 
North Carolina and Havelock going all the way back to the Danny Webster days. And uh, it seems like every time North Carolina kind of mends that fence, it just gets broken again. So it's good that they're back on track and they're able to get him on campus. And that's key. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. I, ha- I was able to talk to him. I'll have a story up with him uh, sometime this week, maybe as early as Monday. And uh, he mentioned North Carolina was one of, one of his favorite schools. So that's what you want to hear coming out of visit. And the other guy, Josh Henderson, and he's a running back out of New Jersey that the staff is very, very high on. They are so high that they were hoping that him visiting this past weekend was a sign that he could be pretty close to committing, which I spoke to him. I'll have a story out on him early this week also. And he kind of told me, now kids tell me this all the time and kind of go in a different direction. He told me that he, he still has a bunch of visits that he wants to make, but he does plan on making a decision in in early summer. And uh, what he did tell me, which is, you know, good news for North Carolina, and you're hearing this exclusively on the podcast because the story hasn't come out, but it's going to be obviously the lead of the story is that North Carolina is his favorite right now. So that's, that's really outside of a commitment. That's um, the best that you can ask for, um, for a kid visiting. And I think it really kind of says something that a kid that far away has made two visits to Chapel Hill in a span of two months. Um, Hearing all that, and and you're hearing this for the first time. So I'm kind of just, you're putting you on the spot here. Anything kind of grab your attention from what I just said? Well, Henderson, it, it, that kind of is news to me. I mean, I know that he was one of several several running backs that the staff was looking at. I, it's good to hear that they are high on him. I wasn't actually sure where he was in the pecking order. So if the staff is able to get a commitment from him, I think that that would be you know a really good sign. And you know, frankly, with the addition of Antonio Williams now, I doubt that they would take another running back in this class, really. Um, you know, I guess they could always change their minds and go after someone. But I think if Henderson were to commit, that may be it at the position. And then as far as Anthony Harris goes, I mean, I completely agree with you about Havelock. Caroline just has not had good success getting Havelock kids, even though they produce a lot of D1 talent. And if that bridge is being fixed again for like the fifth time, <laughs> You know, that's that's definitely a positive. And, you know, Harris is a very good player in his own right. I mean, I think he's going to be a top 10 uh, player in North Carolina at the end of, you know, whenever the rankings do come out for the prospects for, for the state of North Carolina for the 2019 class. I've been impressed with the film that I've seen of him. So I definitely agree with you, Don. But, um, you know, just for the for everyone, those were four names that the two of us kind of thought about and you know, I think there were a lot of other names that we haven't mentioned, which. Oh, yeah, again, definitely. And I mean, there's four stars that we haven't mentioned. Yeah. And and that full list is on the Target Premium Message Board. And, you know, it's it, it's events like this that show that, hey, the staff is really trying. And I think it does speak to the level of, of the recruiters that the staff now has. I mean, we we're talking about Thigpen and um, Gillespie. You know, maybe you're seeing their influence even as early as now with getting higher profile guys to these cookouts, as opposed to what the staff may have been able to get if they were not at Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to switch gears to talk about the the Under Armour All American Camp? Well, you know what? Since, since we were talking about the weekend, you know, let's just go ahead and, and jump into the the new commit. 
since you know we kind of buried the lead a little bit. Um, I'll let you do the honors, Don. What what happened with that one on Saturday? Well, um, so basically, Drew Little is one of the top long snappers in the nation. Uh, uh, long snapping guru Chris Rubio actually ranks him as a third best long snapper in the nation. And for those who don't follow specialists, Rubio is considered the best when it comes to evaluating long snappers. And there's not even like a second or third that, that I can even think of off the top of my head who's anywhere close to Rubio. I mean, he's, he's so good that every Power 5 coach has him on speed dial whenever they need to pursue a, a long snapper. So, um, I mean, that's pretty high praise for uh, Drew Little. So back in the summertime, last summer, that is, Drew received an offer from NC State and NC State, and he committed to NC State. And then in December, North Carolina, the school that he grew up rooting for, and his family are huge UNC fans, North Carolina offered him. So that kind of changed some things for him. There's also, he got a little worried when um, when Dorham was looking at other jobs. Um, so he's kind of was kind of worried about the uh, stability there at, at NC State, wondering if, you know, at that time, if, you know, he might not take another job, but does that mean he's going to jump at the next opportunity next offseason? But anyway, so um, even though he's committed to NC State, he took a bunch of visits to UNC, and finally he made a move that everyone thought was going to happen, and he flipped his commitment to North Carolina during the cookout. So let me just, uh, before I get into a little bit more about Drew, uh, John, you you have a pulse of, of the fans. So what's what's the reaction here for landing Drew Little's commitment? Well, I think on top of landing a very good specialist um, in Little, I mean, like you said, he he's very highly regarded as being one of the better long snappers in the entire country. It's always a positive when Carolina can flip a guy from NC State. I mean, the level of animosity between the fan bases, I mean, frankly, if you don't know that it exists, then where have you been for the past, you know, several decades? So that just adds an extra level to not only is Carolina getting a quality recruit, but they're managing to take someone away from NC State as well. I think, though, for some of the fans that don't really follow football recruiting closely, that may just see the odd headline or not. You know, if you look at it on the surface, Drew Little is ranked a two-star on the 247 composite rankings. So, you know, in that regard, someone just giving the cursory glance may just be like, yeah, whatever, they got some some two-star kid, you know, I'm moving on with my day. But I think for the for the real fans that can dig deeper and really look into the situation here, I think that everyone is very, very uh, thrilled to welcome Little at, to the Tar Heel recruiting class and I think they're going to really be looking forward to, to see what he can do once he arrives on campus. Yeah, and the thing to remember, a couple of things here, is he's a two-star because 24-7 sports does not rank, I think, a specialist in general. Definitely long snappers higher than a two-star. That's just how it is. And I get it because, you know, a long snapper is only on the field for a handful of plays a game. Uh, you know, well, actually a little bit more, probably about a dozen if, if he's if he's uh, the deep snapper for uh, for punts. Um, but really, long snapping, offering long snappers is something that's becoming a common practice. You know, mm. I, I believe the first long snapper UNC offered was uh, Bryce Haynes way back in the class of 2011, who 
he actually, had, if I, if my memory serves me, I know he at least visit North Carolina. I believe he officially visited, and eventually he just um, his stock rose so high that that Ohio State had offered him, and um, he visited there and ended up signing with Ohio State. Uh, and then a couple classes ago, I, th- I believe it was 2016, UNC offered Ben Wyatt, a long snapper from in-state, and he ended up signing with Duke. So if Drew honors his commitment and signs with UNC, and I fully expect that to happen, uh, he um, will be the first long snapper that UNC has signed, as far as I know, if I'm, unless I'm missing someone or someone way back um, signed as a long snapper, purely as a long snapper. So this is something that's becoming a, a common practice. And while a lot of fans would, I mean, and, and you mentioned that some of the fans who don't follow it as much might have that opinion. I think there's some fans who look at a long snapper and are like, uh, why waste a scholarship? But this is something that one, I mean, long snapper is going to be on scholarship. You would see that there are two long snappers for this season. They weren't guys that were offered scholarships out of high school, but they earned scholarships, but mm-hmm. you know, they, they're on scholarship. So they're, you're going to use a scholarship on a long snapper. And I think schools have realized that it's a position that you just can't have anybody out there because it can, it could really cost you a game. If you have a long snapper who's unreliable and, and, and boots the ball way over the punter's head or, or on an important extra point, you know, just overshoots the, uh, the holder. Um, so, I mean, I feel like Drew is the type of player and I'm going to be completely honest, long snapping is probably my weakest position when it comes to evaluating. But um, talking to people that I trust, and I have a lot of people I trust within the specialist community, which is a very kind of niche sort of community that I lean on who have been you know, been reliable the uh, the past few years for me. The, the consensus that I get is that Drew is a guy who is so consistent that as soon as he enrolls on campus, it's fully expected that he's going to win the job as a long snapper, and then you're never going to hear from him again. And that's a good thing because that's what long snappers' jobs are, just to do their job. It's not going to be anything fancy, and you know, just make sure that the ball gets to where it goes, and, and you're not going to have to worry about him. And, and, and you're going to have a guy like that for the next four years, which, which is what exactly North Carolina wanted to do. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing there, Don, is like you mentioned – it's not as if teams like Carolina and pretty much I would say 99% of FBS teams don't have a long snapper specialist on scholarship. It's just like you said, a lot of the times those are guys that were walk-ons. So Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, this is an actually recruited person, it doesn't change the numbers. It's just little is thought highly enough where he can, instead of doing a walk-on and earning a scholarship, they're guaranteeing him one right now. Um, but let's go ahead then and take our commercial breakdown. And then we get back. That's when we'll jump into what you were covering live today, which was the Charlotte Under Armour camp. So we'll get to that in a moment. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. Don, let's go ahead and uh, get into the second half of the podcast by talking about the Charlotte Under Armour camp. You were down there in Charlotte. It was a beautiful day today in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was actually down there as well, visiting some friends and family. So, you know, I, I, I thought about driving by and saying hi to you, but you know, you're working, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to. I didn't want to, you know, distract you from taking, I'm sure, copious amounts of notes on <laughs> all these guys who who were down there today. 
Yeah, you know, this is one of those camps where I don't have a whole lot of time to talk. I mean, there's some camps where I, there's definitely some downtime. Or you know, I went to the one in Atlanta, and while there was uh, about a dozen UNC targets that I could talk to, there was plenty of downtime because there's only so much you can look at 12 guys. But um, this, there were so many guys there. It was, I mean, there, there was guys who I wanted to talk to that I didn't get a chance to talk to or guys that I wanted to kind of get a really good look at that I didn't get a, a chance to get a good look at. And from the notes that I gathered there, I mean, there's tons of UNC guys, as I said. So the notes I gathered there, we have, a, I guess, a Cliff Notes version up on Inside Carolina right now for everyone to view. And the majority of the top recruits that were there for North Carolina, we're going to have full stories on throughout the coming weeks. Um, obviously, we're going to have to spread some of this stuff out and, and kind of weave in some of the um, the, the stories from the, the cookout that we mentioned earlier. But, you know, we'll get all this stuff out for, for everybody to read. Um, but I encourage everybody, if you want a little bit of a taste of you know, what happened on Sunday, what the information I gathered on Sunday, definitely go look at the, uh, the recruiting notes. John, I hopefully I know that you're traveling. Hopefully you had an opportunity to, to take at least a glance at it. I did, actually. Good boy. So what were a couple of things that stood out to you? Maybe we could talk about a little bit more. Or did you have any questions? Um, yeah, actually. So one question I had, I mean, like you said, there were a bunch of UNC prospects there. But when you were kind of, who would you say, though, out of all those guys, Don, really stood out to you? Um, I, I think I probably know one name. Uh, it rhymes with, well, I'm just going to say it, C.J. Clark. <laughs> I, I hope that he had a good performance. But, you know, who, who kind of stood out to you the most, man? Because this seemed as if there were a ton of guys uh, down there. I'm going to go in a, a different direction than uh, what, what you were thinking, although C.J. had a really good, uh, really, really good camp today. Uh, but Cameron Roseman Sinclair is a 2020 safety from Charlotte out of Myers Park was a guy who he only has six offers. I say only because I just feel like he should have a lot more. And I fully anticipate him adding offers in the coming weeks and months, especially since we're in the spring evaluation period right now. He has great size, um, very good size for, for a safety. I mean, he looks almost like a linebacker, but he's so just smooth in coverage. He had a couple of interceptions that I saw during one-on-ones and seven-on-seven um, during the, the camp, but he's a guy that um, that I, I just think he's going to be a top recruit um, during the 2020 class. And he's a guy that North Carolina coming out of the gate was uh, was the lead horse. And UNC fell off a little bit when Coach Brewer left. But uh, and, and this is all in the the uh, report that we put up, and it will be in the story we put up later on in the week. Tommy Thigpen made a very good first impression with him, so much so that UNC is almost back in in the lead horse spot for Roseman Sinclair. So that's a good sign. So, I mean, he's definitely a guy that if you don't know about him, then you need to know about him because he's a guy that we're going to be covering in the next year. I have think, well, I think I may have seen his name on one or two lists on, but I'll be honest, I did not know that he was projecting to be that high up on the radar for the 2020 class. So the fact that Thigpen is putting in the work to, I guess, you know, repair whatever um, could have been messed up in their relationship when, when Brewer left between Roseman Sinclair and Carolina, 
that's always a positive. And, you know, I, I really have faith that Thigpen would be able to pull that off. But um, let's talk about someone else here. Now, like you said, the, the full story is up there on the Tar Pit Premium Message Board. I, I'm not going to sit here and just read it off for the listeners because, frankly, that would be boring. And, <laughs> you know, they probably don't want to hear me talk as much as I do already. But um, I did think it was very interesting to hear that Shaheem battle that Carolina is still really fighting to get into his top five. It looks as if, you know, that's still just an ongoing thing. But, man, I really, really hope that Carolina can make that push and get him to visit campus and really kind of make make it into his favorites list. Yeah, and maybe I might be reading him wrong, but I just feel like it's a matter of time before North Carolina is in that top five, especially when you look at who's in his current top five, which is Clemson, Duke, NC State, Ohio State, and Tennessee. Yeah, some of these are heavy hitters, but some of them aren't. And I think North Carolina should be able to find a way to knock one of those teams out. And really, considering he comes from such a strong UNC, a pro-UNC area, from a family who are pretty big UNC fans, I mean, really, I just feel like North Carolina, it's only a matter of time for North Carolina to be one of the top schools for him, to be honest with you. Um, Just talking to him, the one school I feel like that is the biggest threat to kind of steal him away is Tennessee. He seems to uh, really like uh, the volunteers, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, North Carolina's making progress. I- I'm just, I-, I wouldn't have been surprised today if you would have told me that North Carolina was, was in the, in that top five yet. I was actually more surprised. They told me that they're still kind of on the outside, but they're still working their way in. So I think it's just a matter of time. It may take another visit up there. And, and once that happens, I'd be shocked if he comes back and says that North Carolina is still on the outside. Yeah, I, that's huge positive news to me right there. Uh, Battle is is a is a kid that I've been very impressed with, and I think he would fit in really well in the Carolina backfield. Uh, let's uh, go ahead and close this one out, Don, by talking just in general um, about some of the other guys. Uh, I think you know one of the other probably bigger things on here was that Carolina continues to try to flip a couple of the Blue Devil current commitments. Uh, those would be Zonovan Knight and Donovan Green. Um, go ahead and, and, and finish this one out with, with what what's your kind of take on that situation? I mean, is Carolina, you know, do you think that, that they may have a legitimate shot at these guys or are they just kind of maybe still exploring the options and, you know, UNC is just one of a, a host of potential landing spots? No, I, I think North Carolina definitely has a shot with, with both of those guys, those two, and then also Tony Davis who committed to Duke back in December. The really kind of curious thing for me is both Donovan Green and Zonovan Knight committed to Duke on the same day at the same event, and they never have seemed all that solid in their commitment. And it really makes me wonder what happened. I mean, were they pressured to make the commitment? And and obviously that would play a factor into, into why they're wavering. Um, and you know, it just, it's just so strange that these two guys are just all of a sudden wavering at the same time. And, and really, you know, North Carolina obviously is involved, um, with them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, both of them are kind of interesting situations because Duke is really strong arming, uh, Zonovan, uh, Knight, because they, they've said to him flat out that if you visit other schools, we'll pull your scholarship. And, and of course that kind of scared him a little bit. So he basically is under the assumption that, 
if I want to truly explore other schools, I'm going to have to decommit and, and potentially lose that, that scholarship offer. Whereas Donovan Green is, at least from his understanding, is completely free to go visit other schools, and that's what he tends on doing. And he definitely is interested in Tennessee and South Carolina. Both schools offered him recently. But North Carolina has been in there, and he actually has some interesting quotes that he gave me about just North Carolina and his commitment to Duke that actually aren't on the recruiting notes, but will be in the story we run later on. I kind of saved that for you know the people who who actually read the the story with with Donovan. I thought it was kind of interesting because he's a, a very very smart kid, chooses his his words wisely, and I think it was pretty telling about what truly is his situation. But it's I it's a situation I would love to know what is actually going on and why those kids committed, and then why immediately are they all of a sudden wavering. Now, that's a really good tease, man, and uh, we'll go ahead and, and end it on that. I mean, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to seeing the full write-up on Donovan as well as all of these guys. But, hey, Don, really appreciate it that you took the time, you know, on this uh, late Sunday evening after being out there in the sun all day that you were still able to talk with me, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, no problem, no problem. All right, for everyone here at Inside Carolina, thank you all for listening. We will talk with you again soon. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.